Homily 8 of Homilies of St. John Chrysostom on 1 Corinthians, Part 1. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3 And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able for ye are yet carnal. After having overturned the philosophy, which is from without, and cast down all its arrogance, he comes unto another argument. For it was likely that they would say, if we were putting forth the opinions of Plato, or of Pythagoras, or any other of the philosophers, reason were, thou shouldest draw out such a long discourse against us. But if we were announcing the things of the Spirit, for what reason dost thou turn and toss up and down the wisdom which is from without? Hear then how he makes his stand against this. And I, brethren, was not able to speak unto you as unto spiritual. Why in the first place, says he, though you had been perfect in spiritual things also, not even so ought you to be elated. For what you preach is not your own, nor such as yourselves have found from your own means, but now even these things ye know not as ye ought to know them. But ye are learners, and the last of all, whether therefore the Gentile wisdom be the occasion of your high imaginations, that hath been proved to be nothing, nay, in regard to spiritual things, to be even contrary unto us, or if it be on account of things spiritual. In these two ye come short, and have your place among the hindmost. Wherefore he saith, I was not able to speak unto you as unto spiritual. He said not, I have not spoken, lest the thing might seem to proceed from his grudging them somewhat. But in two ways he brings down their high spirits. First, because they knew not the things that are perfect. Next, because their ignorance was owing to themselves. Yea, in a third way besides these, by pointing out that not even now are they able to bear it. For as to their want of ability at first, that perhaps arose from the nature of the case. In fact, however, he does not leave them even this excuse. For not through any inability on their part to receive high doctrines, doth he say they received them not, but because they were carnal. However, in the beginning, this was not so blameworthy. But after so long a time, they had not yet arrived at the more perfect knowledge, this was a symptom of most utter dullness. It may be observed that he brings the same charge against the Hebrews, not however with so much vehemence. For those, he saith, are such partly because of tribulation, but these because of some appetite for wickedness. Now the two things are not the same. He implies, too, that in the one case he was intending rebuke, and the other rather stirring them up, when he spake these words of truth. For to these Corinthians he saith, Neither yet now are ye able, but unto the others, wherefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection. And again, we are persuaded better things concerning you, and things which accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And how calleth he those carnal, who had attained so large a measure of the Spirit, and into whose praises at the beginning he had entered so much at large. 
because they also were carnal, unto whom the Lord saith, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I know you not. And yet they both cast out devils, and raised the dead, and uttered prophecies, so that it is possible, having wrought even miracles, to be carnal. For so God wrought by Balaam, and unto Pharaoh he revealed things to come, and unto Nebuchadnezzar, and Caiaphas prophesied, not knowing what he said. Yea, and some others cast out devils in his name, though they were not with him. Since not for the doer's sake are these things done, but for others' sake. Nor is it seldom that those who were positively unworthy have been made instrumental to them. Now why wonder if, in the case of unworthy men, these things are done for others' sake? Seeing that so it is, even when they are wrought by saints. For so Paul saith, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos of Cephas or life or death. And again he gives some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry. For if it were not so, there would have been no security against universal corruption. For it may be that rulers are wicked and polluted, and their subjects good and virtuous, that laymen may live in piety and priests in wickedness, and there could not have been either baptism or the body of Christ or oblation through such, if in every instance grace required merit. But as it is, God uses to work even by unworthy persons, and in no respect of the grace of baptism damaged by the conduct of the priest, else would the receiver suffer loss. Accordingly, though such things happen rarely, still it must be owed they do happen. Now these things I say, lest any one of the bystanders, busying himself about the life of the priest, should be offended as concerning the things solemnized. For man introduceth nothing into the things which are set before us, but the whole is a work of the power of God, and he it is who initiates you into the mysteries. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. I have fed you with milk and not meat, for ye were not able to bear it. For lest he should seem to have spoken ambitiously these things which he had just spoken, the spiritual man judges all things, and he himself is judged of no man. And we have the mind of Christ, with a view also to repress their pride. Observe what he saith. Not on this account, saith he, was I silent, because I was not able to tell you more, but because ye are carnal, neither yet now are ye able. Why, said he not, ye are not willing, but ye are not able? Even because he put the latter for the former, for as to the want of ability, it arises from the want of will, which to them indeed is matter of accusation, but to their teacher of excuse. For if they had been unable by nature, one might perhaps have forgiven them. But since it was from choice, they were barefoot of all excuse. He then speaks of the particular point also which makes them carnal. For whereas there is among you strife and envying and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Although he had fornications also and uncleanness of theirs to speak of, he sets down rather that offense, which he had been a good while endeavoring to correct. Now if envying makes men carnal, it is high time for us all to bewail bitterly, 
and to clothe ourselves with sackcloth and lie in ashes. For who is pure from this passion, except indeed I am but conjecturing the case of others from myself? If envying maketh men carnal, and suffereth them not to be spiritual, although they prophesy and show forth other wonderful works, now when not even so much grace is within us, what place shall we find for our own doings? when not in this matter alone, but also in others, of greater moment we are convicted. From this place we learn that Christ had good reason for saying, He that doeth evil cometh not to the light, and that an unclean life is an obstacle to high doctrines, not suffering the clear-sightedness of the understanding to show itself. As then it is not in any case possible for a person in error, but living uprightly to remain in error, so it is not easy for one brought up in iniquity, speedily to look down upon the height of the doctrines delivered to us. But he must be clean from all the passions. Who is to hunt after the truth? For whoso is freed from these shall be freed also from his error, and attain unto the truth. For do not, I beseech you, think that abstinence merely from covetousness or fornication may suffice thee for this purpose. Not so. All must concur in him that seeketh the truth. Wherefore, saith Peter, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. That is, he calls and attracts him unto the truth. Seest thou not, Paul, that he was more vehement than any one in warring and persecuting? Yet because he led an irreproachable life, and did these things not through human passion, he was both received and reached a mark beyond all. And if any one should say, How doth such a one, a Greek, who is kind and good and humane, continue in error? This would be my answer. He hath some other passion, vainglory, or indolence of mind, or want of carefulness about his own salvation, accounting that all things which concern him are drifted along disorderly and at random. Paul's phrase for him that worketh righteousness is, He that in all things has been irreproachable, according to the righteousness which is in the law. Again, I give thanks to God, whom I serve for my forefathers, with a pure conscience. How then, you will say, were unclean persons considered worthy of the gospel? Because they wished and longed for it. Thus the one sort, though in error, are attracted by him, because they are clean from passions. The others of their own accord, approaching, are not thrust back. Many also, even from their ancestors, have received the true religion. Verse 3. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, at this point he prepares himself to wrestle with those whose part was obedience. For in what went before he hath been casting down the rulers of the church, where he said that wisdom of speech is nothing worth. But here he strikes at those in subjection, in the words, verse 4, While one saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, are ye not carnal? And he points out that this, so far from helping them at all, nor causing them to acquire anything, had even become an obstacle to their profiting in the greater things. For this it was which brought forth envying, and envying had made them carnal. 
and the having become carnal left them not at liberty to hear truths of the sublimer sort. Verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? In this way, after producing and proving his facts, he makes his accusation henceforth more openly. Moreover, he employs his own name, doing away all harshness, and not suffering them to be angry at what is said. For if Paul is nothing and murmur not, much less ought they to think themselves ill-used. Two ways, you see, he has of soothing them. First, by bringing forward his own person, then by not robbing them of all, as if they contributed nothing. Rather, he allows them some small portion. Small though it be, he does not allow it. For having said, Who is Paul, and who Apollos, he adds, But ministers by whom ye have believed. Now this in itself is a great thing, and deserving of great rewards. Although in regard of the archetype and the root of all good it is nothing. For not he that ministers to our blessings, but he that provides and gives them. He is our benefactor. And he said not evangelists, but ministers, which is more. For they had not merely preached the gospel, but had also ministered unto us, the one being a matter of word only, while the other hath deed also. And so, even if Christ be a minister only of good things, and not the root himself, and the fountain, I mean, of course, in that he is the Son, observe to what an issue this matter is brought. How then, will you ask, doth he say that he was made a minister of circumcision? He is speaking in that place of his secret dispensation in the flesh, and again, not in the same sense which we have now mentioned. Yet even there, too, by minister, he means fulfiller, and contradistinction to one that of his own store gives out the blessings. Further, he said not those who guide you into the faith, but those by whom ye believed, again attributing the greater share to themselves, and indicating by this also the subordinate class of ministers. Now if they were ministering to one another, how come they to seize the authority for themselves? But I would have you consider how in no wise he lays the blame on them as seizing it for themselves, but on those who endow them with it. For the groundwork of the error lay in the multitude, since had the one fallen away, the other would have been broken up. Here are two points which he has skillfully provided, in that first he hath prepared, as by mining, in the quarter where it was necessary to overthrow the mischief, the next on their side, in not attracting ill will, nor yet making them more contentious. Verse 5. Even as Christ gave to every man, for not even this small thing itself was of themselves, but of God, who put it into their hands, for lest they might say, What then? Are we not to love those that minister unto us? Yea, saith he, but you should know to what extent. For not even this thing itself is of them, but of God who gave it. Verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God give the increase. That is, I first cast the word into the ground, but in order that the seeds might not wither away through temptations, Apollos added his own part but the whole was of God. Verse 7. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, nor he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
do you observe the manner in which he sues them, so that they should not be too much irritated on hearing, who is this person, and who is that? Nay, both are individuals, namely, both the saying, who is this person, who the other, and the saying, that neither he that planteth, nor he that watereth is anything. How then does he soften these expressions? First, by attaching the contempt to his own person. Who is Paul and who is Apollos? And next, by referring the whole to God who gave all things. For after he had said, such a person planted and added, he that planteth is nothing, he subjoined, but God that giveth the increase. Nor does he stop even here, but applies again another healing cause in the words. Verse 8, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. For by means of this he establishes another point also, viz. that they should not be exalted one against the other. His assertion that they are one refers to their inability to do anything without. God that giveth the increase, and thus saying, he permitted not either those who labored much to lift themselves up against those who had contributed less, nor these again to envy the former. In the next place, since this had a tendency to make men more indolent, I mean all being esteemed as one, whether they have labored much or little, observe how he sets this right, saying, But every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, as if he said, Fear not, because I said, Ye are one, for compared with the work of God they are one, albeit in regards to labors, they are not so, but every man shall receive his own reward. Then he smooths it still more, having succeeded in what he wished, and gratifies them where it is allowed with earnestness. Verse 9. For we are workers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Seest thou how to them also he hath assigned no small work, having before laid it down that the whole is of God. For since he is always persuading them to obey those that have the rule over them, on this account he abstains from making very light of their teachers. Ye are God's husbandry. For because he had said, I have planted, he kept to the metaphor. Now if ye be God's husbandry, it is right that you should be called not from those who cultivate you, but from God. For the field is not called the husbandman's, but the householder's. Ye are God's building. Again, the building is not the workman's, but the master's. Now, if ye be a building, ye must not be forced asunder, since this were no building. If ye be a farm, ye must not be divided, but be walled in with a single fence, namely unanimity. Verse 10. According to the grace of God, which hath been given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, but to give them an ensample, and to point out that this is a wise man's part, to lay one foundation. You may observe as one instance of his modest bearing, that in speaking of himself as wise, he allowed not this to stand as though it were something of his own, but first dedicating himself entirely to God then and not till then calls himself by that name for according to the grace of god saith he which is given unto me thus at once he signifies both that the whole is of god 
and that this most of all is grace, viz. the not being divided, but resting on one foundation. Another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Here I think, and in what follows, he puts them upon their trial concerning patience. After that he had once for all knit them together and made them one. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. I say it no man can lay it so long as he is a master builder. But if he lay it, he ceases to be a master builder. See how even from men's common notions he proves the whole of his proposition. His meaning is this, I have preached Christ, I have delivered unto you the foundation. Take heed how ye build thereon, lest haply it be in vainglory, lest haply so as to draw away the disciples unto men. Let us not then give heed unto the heresies. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. Upon this let us build, and... As a foundation, let us cleave to it, as a branch to a vine, and let there be no interval between us and Christ. For if there be any interval, immediately we perish. For so the branch, by its adherence, draws in the fatness, and the building stands, because it is cemented together. Since, if it stand apart, it perishes, having nothing whereon to support itself. Let us not then merely keep hold of Christ, but let us be joined unto him. For if we stand apart, we perish. For they who withdraw themselves far from thee shall perish. So it is said, Let us cleave then unto him, and let us cleave by our works. For he that keepeth my commandments, the same abideth in me. And accordingly there are many images, whereby he brings us into union. Thus, if you mark it, he is the head, we are the body. Can there be any interval between the head and the body? He is a foundation, we a building. He a vine, we branches. He the bridegroom, we the bride. He the shepherd, we the sheep. He is the way, we are they who walk therein. Again, we are a temple, he is the indweller. He the first begotten, we the brethren. He the heir, we the heirs together with him. He the life, we the living. He the resurrection, we those who rise again. He the light, we the enlightened. All these things indicate unity, and they allow no void interval, not even the smallest. For he that removes but to a little distance will go on till he has become very far distant. For so the body, receiving through it, be but a small cut by a sword perishes, and the building, though there be but a small chink, falls to decay, and the branch, though it be but a little while cut off from the root, becomes useless, so that this trifle is no trifle, but is even almost the whole. Whensoever then we commit some little fault or even negligence, let us not overlook that little, since this being disregarded quickly becomes great, so also, when a garment hath begun to be torn and is neglected, it is apt to prolong its rent all throughout. And a roof, when a few tiles have fallen, being disregarded, brings down the whole house. These things, then, let us bear in mind, and never slight the small things, lest we fall into those which are great. But if so be that we have slighted them, and are come into the abyss of evils, 
not even when we are come there let us despond lest we fall into recklessness for to emerge from thence is hard ever after for one who is not extremely watchful not because of the distance alone but of the very position too wherein we find ourselves for sin also is a deep and is wont to bear down and crush and just as those who have fallen into a well cannot with ease get out but will want others to draw them up so also is he that is come into any depth of sins to such then we must lower ropes and draw them out nay rather we need not others only but ourselves also that we for our part may fasten on ourselves and ascend i say not so much as we have descended but much further if we be willing for why god also helpeth for he willeth not the death of a sinner so much as his conversion let no one then despair let no one feel the feelings of the heathen for to them properly belongs this kind of sin a heathen having come into any depth of evils makes light of it so that it is not the multitude of men's sins which causes their despair but their heathenish of mind shouldest thou then have gone all lengths in wickedness yet say unto thyself god is loving unto men and he desires our salvation for though your sins be as scarlet i will whiten you as snow saith he and unto the contrary habit i will change you let us not therefore give up in despair for to fall is not so grievous as to lie where we have fallen nor to be wounded so dreadful as after wounds to refuse healing for who shall boast that he has his heart chaste or who shall say confidently that he is pure from sin these things i say not to make you more negligent but to prevent your despairing wouldst thou know how good our master is the publican went up full of ten thousand wickednesses and saying only be merciful unto me went down justified yea god saith by the prophet because of sin for some little season i grieved him and i saw that he was grieved and went sorrowful and i healed his ways what is there equal to this loving kindness on condition of his being but sorrowful so he speaks i forgive him his sins but we do not even this wherefore we especially provoke god to wrath for he who by little things even is made propitious when he meets not with so much as these is of course indignant and exacts of us the last penalty for this comes of exceeding contempt who is there for instance that hath ever become melancholy for his sins who hath bemoaned himself who hath beaten his breast who hath taken anxious thought not one to my thinking but days without number do men weep for dead servants for the loss of money while as to the soul which we are ruining day by day we give it not a thought how then wilt thou be able to render god propitious when thou knowest not even that thou hast sinned yea saith someone i have sinned yea is thy word to me with the tongue say it to me with thy mind and with the word mourn heavily that thou mayest have continual cheerfulness since if we did grieve for our sins if we mourned heavily over our offences nothing else could give us sorrow this one pang would expel all kinds of dejection here then is another thing also which we should gain by our thorough confession namely the not being overwhelmed with the pains of the present life 
nor puffed up with its splendors. And in this way, again, we should more entirely propitiate God, just as by our present conduct we provoke him to anger. For tell me, if thou hast a servant, and he, after suffering much evil at the hands of his fellow servants, takes no account of any one of the rest, but is only anxious to provoke his master, he is not able by this alone to do away thine anger. But what, if his offenses against thee are no manner of care to him, while on those against his fellow servants he is full of thought, wilt thou not lay on him the heavier punishment? So also God doeth, when we neglect his wrath, he brings it upon us more heavily, but when we regard it more gently, yea, rather he lays it on us no more at all. He wills that we should exact vengeance of ourselves for our offenses, and thenceforth he doth not exact it himself. For this is why he at all threatens punishment, that by fear he may destroy contempt, and when that threat alone is sufficient to cause fear in us, he doth not suffer us to undergo the actual trial. See, for instance, what he saith unto Jeremiah. Seest thou not what they do? Their fathers light a fire, their children gather sticks together, their women knead dough. It is to be feared, lest the same thing of thee be said also concerning us. Seest thou not what they do? No one seeketh the things of Christ, but all their own. Their children run into uncleanness their fathers into covetousness and rapine, their wives so far from keeping back their husbands from the pomps and vanities of life, do rather sharpen their appetites for them. Just take your stand in the marketplace, question the comers and goers, and not one wilt thou see hastening upon the spiritual errand, but all running after carnal things. How long, ere we awake from our surfeiting, how long are we to keep sinking down into deep slumber? Have we not had our fill of evils? And yet one might think that even without all words, the experience itself of such things is sufficient to teach you the nothingness of things present, and their utter meanness. At all events, there have been men who, exercising mere heathen wisdom, and knowing nothing of the future, because they had convicted this world of great worthiness, even when its objects are present, have left them on this account alone. What pardon, then, canst thou expect to obtain, groveling on the ground and not despairing the little things, and transient, for the sake of the great and everlasting? Who also hearest God himself declaring and revealing these things unto thee, and hast such promises from him? For that things here have no sufficient power to detain a man, those have shown who even without any promise of things greater have kept away from them. For what wealth did they expect that they came to poverty? There was none. But it was from their knowing full well that such poverty is better than wealth. What sort of life did they hope for that they forsook luxury and gave themselves up unto severe discipline? Not any. But they had become aware of the very nature of things, and perceived that this of the two is more convenient, for the strict training of the soul and for the health of the body. These things then duly estimating and revolving with ourselves continually the future blessings, let us withdraw from this present world, that we may obtain that other which is to come, through the favor and loving kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
with whom to the Father and the Holy Ghost be glory, power, honor, now and always, and unto everlasting ages. Amen. End of homily 8